Good evening, church. Uh, let's, let's pray real quick before we go to God and go to God's word. So let's do that. Um, Lord, uh, we, thank you for, we thank you for evening service, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to bookend our day uh, studying your word together as a church family. Lord, we thank you that your word is the truth, that we can rely on it. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. So be with us now as we, as we study. Amen. Okay, so we're, tonight we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 12 through 22. So while you're turning there, just uh, want to summarize. If you weren't here this morning, we had the opportunity to go through Psalm 69, uh, where God is displayed as a rescuer. And so I want us to think tonight um, a little bit about what is, what is thriving in Christ. Because as we think about rescuing, as we think about God res- as our rescuer, just because we are being rescued by God, it doesn't actually mean we are in survival mode. And in fact, we are actually called not to just survive, but actually to thrive. And so I want to take an opportunity tonight for us to look at what does thriving in Christ look like? And I think we, I think we see principles of this in Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonian church. So I think it'll guide our thoughts uh, around this idea of thriving, but not surviving. And so <clears throat> as we get ready to look at this, I, I think first it's important to understand the dichotomy, the, the difference between survival and thriving. So if you think I, I, that sometimes conjures up the idea of an animalistic survival of the fittest or survival mode, but I often try to think of plants because I think of Arctic moss is surviving. It's out there in the tundra. At least I see it on the Discovery Channel. It must be out there. Versus something like kudzu in, in the deep south of Georgia, the state, not the country. Uh, because if you put your car on the side of the road, uh, for long enough, it'll just come right up and it'll swallow it whole. So very much so a difference between something that might just barely survive versus something that thrives, something that just explodes. So what does that survival mode mean for you? Maybe you feel like you spend too much of your time just barely holding on. What makes, what makes it that it's just that you're barely holding on week to week uh, what, what is that? I, I think you can sum that up in one question, or actually, no, one statement that uh, maybe all of us have said in this room, which is, I just need to make it through this week, right? You start the week off and you're like, I just have got to make it through this week. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us in our Christian walk? Well, I think it's important as we get ready to read these verses to think about the context of the Thessalonian church. So they were very much so a group of Christians who were thriving under persecution and suffering. And actually, Paul is so impressed that he doesn't actually know what to say. And that's what you end up seeing in the very beginning of Thessalonians is, I have nothing to say. I'm, I'm impressed, right? So here at the end of Paul's letter, they receive an exhortation to continue in not just surviving, but thriving in Christ in the midst of suffering and active persecution. And then he gives them some principles to live by and how to do that. And so that's what we're going to look at. So let's, let's read verse 12 through 22, chapter 5. 
Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak be patient with everyone, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. So I think what we can see here, I would like to put in two parts. And so if you're taking notes, uh, we'll just look at two different parts and then we'll, we'll do some application. So the first part is this. Act against sin. Act against sin. And the second part will be act with worship. But let's, let's cover act against sin. So that will be verse 12 through 15. So when I think of survival mode, I think it opens the door for sin to take a foothold in our life. We may not introduce any new sin when we're up, up against a fight in our lives, but... Are we actually getting rid of old sin? Are we fighting against it? Are we in the word? So I know it's been hard. Uh, it's, it's hard to remove yourself from hard situations and see out the rest of your days, right? So what if Paul's message instead was, hey, you've led a really hard life. Things have actually been really tough for you. Maybe you should just spend the rest of it avoiding confrontation. Maybe move out to where it's just a, a commune of Christians, you're just all by yourself, and you don't have to worry about strife or suffering or confrontation. In fact, maybe you owe it to yourself to maybe complain a little or vent. Do whatever it is you need to do to survive. But that's not what Paul says, and it's not what Jesus died for. Christ is our eternal source of joy, so we should have joy in him, and that takes active faith. And so because this is a truth, we should be, it should be our joy to daily walk with the Lord, thriving in him because he is our protection against sin. So with God's power, we should battle. It should be a battle against sin that attempts to overtake us. And so I see this in a couple of ways. I think acting against sin takes listening and loving the wisdom of others. Acting against sin takes listening and loving the wisdom of others. So let's read verses uh, 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. It's very interesting. We're not called to just groan alongside, but we're called to love those who admonish us. So the leaders of the church, we should give recognition to them. They should be commended, regard them very highly. This is a celebration of admonishment, which is kind of bizarre to imagine. Thank you, leaders, for pointing me in the right direction or admonishing me. But that's what Paul is saying here. What does a strong rebuke against sin actually promote? It promotes peace. He points us to that as well. I, I, I speak as an admonishee, not an admonisher. And I will tell you that this is a hidden gem of the Christian life to seek out advice from older saints, from Christians who have gone before you and who have seen it. It is an open book test, and they have done many things. They have seen many things and had many trials, 
And I do not think we do this enough, but we should look to older Christians for advice. And I don't think it's just waiting for someone to point out things in you. I think what active faith looks like and really thriving is going to older Christians and saying, do you see things in my life that don't match the Christian aspects of, the, of, of who I should be, of who God's called me to be? Do you see things in my life that I should change, sin in my life that I should snuff out? I would say it should be that you go and you talk to older Christians. So it's for our own spiritual good. It comes from the many Christians who come before you, right? It's a mistake to believe that we're actually the first one to deal with our exact suffering um, or our issue. If, if that was the case, we could use that excuse all day long. But we should remember that we should engage the wisdom of the older saints. So that's one thing I want us to think about as we think about acting against sin. Another way we can act against sin is by looking out for each other's other's spiritual well-being. Look at verse 14 and 15. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. One of the things I think about when we think about uh, each other's spiritual well-being is I, I tend to really like survival books or outdoor books where people get lost in the forest or something like that. I know uh, Lenny has turned me to a few books like that, and I've always enjoyed that thought. But you know what? If you look at people that are lost in the woods or lost in a national park, there are always two elements that are tied to that, and that is they go alone or they go unequipped. And it's, it's very similar for us in the Christian life. Are we trying to go it alone or are we going unequipped? And so I think it's really important for us to think about that. And in fact, notice the warnings here. It says, warn those, comfort those, help those. And it's actually not talking about just the leaders like it is in the previous verses. It's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ with one another, right? Looking out for each other's spiritual well-being. We see similar language in Romans 15, where we have a strong obligation to bear the weaknesses of others. So caring for others takes selflessness. It takes awareness of the needs of others, and it goes against our natural or general idea or our selfishness, right? So I I am just so thankful when I see that other brothers and sisters are caring for one another. So survival says, I can only care about myself. I've got my own problems. I need to work through those first. But thriving is actively looking for hurt and lost sheep, actively looking for hurt and lost people. And so one of the things uh, I, I really enjoy doing or I've been able to do is I have a, I have a shepherd dog myself. And uh, one of the better gifts of the century, I think, that my wife gave me was sheep herding lessons. And boy, those guys are just sermon illustrations out the wazoo. It's like incredible. And they don't know, they don't know it. And so I, I took my dog up to this trainer and um, he says, notice that your shepherd, as he's talking about my dog, doesn't just lie around. He checks. You, you notice he has to go into the sheep and check and make sure that they are all okay. I'm like, man, this guy's a sermon illustration machine. We got to get this guy down here. So... He said, notice they don't just lie down. Is this true for us as well? What kind are we? Are we, are we like the dog that sits on the porch waiting for his food and his water 
for his own needs, or are we out amongst our brothers and sisters, caring for others, right? Seeking the spiritual well-being, seeking that others would thrive. And one of the other things he ends up telling me is, you know, as they move sheep across a field, a shepherd will actually, a very good shepherd will actually wait until the sheep are rested. They can only go so far, and they sit and they lie down. You don't exacerbate them. You don't nip at their heels because a good shepherd knows just how far they can go before they need rest. And I think this is kind of similar to what we see in verse 14 uh, where it says, uh, help the weak and be patient with everyone, right? We are to be patient with everyone. So what kind of disposition uh, from us to our brothers and sisters does it require? A one one of patience, right? Sin is messy. It has a way of ensnaring us again and again. We pray for each other, go again and again to the person who continues to struggle, and never give up on them. Reflect Christ in your patience, knowing that he is patient with you. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Notice in verse 15, it says, Not only do you not repay evil for evil, but watch that others don't repay evil for evil. Why is that? It's because it divides the church. It divides the church. So in pursuing good for others, we act as peacekeepers, and guardians against sin in the church. And this is vitally important as we continue our mission to grow in Christ and display our, our church as a place of hope to the lost. So that's act against sin. Second part here is to act with worship, verses 16 through 22. So act with worship. Fighting sin is only one part of thriving in Christ, and the other part is actively worshiping God. And this is uh, the difference between barely surviving, right? Saying, I'm okay, I'm avoiding sin, I'm avoiding it, and actually finding your joy in Christ, right? So not only am I fighting sin, but I'm worshiping God who brought me out of it. I'm worshiping him. And so we should act with worship. So God's people are called to act with worship constantly, consistently, and in chaos. Constantly, consistently, and in chaos, We see this in verse 16, uh, 17 and 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Always, consistently, in everything. Do we do this? No, we struggle with this. And this is why we need to be reminded by Paul. These are good short verses. And so we went through this, uh, this particular section in the youth retreat uh, this summer, where our theme was to thrive in Christ. I would just add to this that as you're learning verses, start with the short ones. It's fine. (laughs) And so when we think about things like rejoice always, a short but helpful verse, something to pray over. Uh, This morning, Jonathan said, do the hard things while they are easy. And so that, that brings in the debate of what about good times versus bad times? Uh, Are these, are these things praying constantly and, 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 and consistently, uh, are these easy to forget? So in good times, think about this. They're easy to forget because things are going well. As if to say, God, I don't need these things right now. And in hard times, they may be easy to recall because people keep pelting you with these verses. But it's harder to put into practice. So I would actually reiterate Jonathan's point this morning where he said, do hard things while they can. When things are well, when things are going well, you are in conditioning mode. Praise God and dive into his word and pray for protection. Grow, grow in, your, in your knowledge and in your walk with him. And Paul says to do this in everything. 
Our thoughts about forgetting to pray, our, our thoughts about forgetting to praise God in good times and not wanting to praise Him in bad times, those are tied to a bit of a core issue. And that's that our, our way is better than God's way. And if you really boil a lot of our sin issues down, it really comes down to that. I'm trusting myself more than I'm trusting you, Lord. So this is where we can pray that God will remind us that his way, his way, whether good or bad times for us, is always perfect. No matter the hardship, opposition, or even in the peaceful times in our lives. And because his way is perfect, he is worthy of consistent, day in and day out praise. So God's people are called to act with worship from the spirit and with discernment as well. And we see that in 19 uh, to 22. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. In Jesus's ministry, several times we see him correcting forced worship and bad theology. If you read through the interactions with religious leaders of the day, or if you go over the sermons of John that we've We've, we've been going through in the morning, you'll see that there's a focus on the mechanic nature of the law, not true heart issues of our sinfulness. And so the religious leaders made up their own rules, and then Jesus then says he, that they burdened other people with their rules. But our call to worship, our call to worship is to worship the living God, and that work comes from the Spirit which God has put in us. It comes from what Jesus has done on the cross. When we ask who can truly worship, it is the, those that Christ has called to himself. Everyone that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. So we should never think about worship in any other way than a great worthy way of praising and worshiping God, singing unto the Lord because of what he has done for us. Our attitude about worship should not be out of duty, but out of love for what God has done. And so we are called to hold on to what is good. And so if you're here and, and, and you're not a Christian, maybe you're visiting, what is that good that we hold on to? That is the gospel message that Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save you and me from our sin. And so when we think about survival, I would ask you to think about your own life and what is it that you're trying to survive? What, what is the end game of life? To just make it out, uh, what, to the end? Jesus has prepared a life for you. Jesus has prepared a life for those who would trust in him, and that is an eternal life. And it doesn't look like survival. It looks like growing in him daily, in thriving in him, and finding our joy in him forever. And so... A few points of application as we, as we close here. And these are meant to help us uh, get out of survival mode and help us thrive in Christ, whether we're in hard times or, or good. So number one, I would just say, lean in. And what I mean by that is be spiritually disciplined without excuse. It's easy to be sort of spiritually disciplined with excuse. Uh, those are the excuses I use to not run in the evening or uh, too much time has passed. I guess I'll have to run tomorrow. Stuff like that. But, but leaning in spiritually looks like when you're dog tired and you're at the dinner table and you're ready to pray with your family and you just don't want to go through it. Or you, you don't know if you can get up 30 minutes earlier or an hour earlier and just pray, right? Lean in 
to a spiritually disciplined life. Prayer, reading his word, being in it, growing with others, coming to church, right? Lean into those times when it seems it's the hardest to do so. Secondly, we've talked about this before, trust and seek the advice of older Christians. I just would say personally, it's as if it's an undertapped, unutilized area of my own life. Uh, Older saints have come before us and they have been through many things and to seek their advice is, is just absolutely key. It is a gym. It is a gym that you should, you should hold up in your life. Third, care for others. Care for the spiritual well-being of others. I would say care is infectious. As I watch brothers and sisters in this church, um, it's been a blessing to see others care for each other because it makes you want to care for others as well and grow. And then lastly, I would say don't go through the motions. What is true worship? Is your joy in knowing Jesus? Do you hold the truth of his word in your hand? Do you know it? Do you see the future of his kingdom to come? Because in those things, you will will have joy in Christ and knowing the Lord and walking with him closely. And so I'd ask that that would be even our prayer as we close tonight, that we would find our joy in knowing Jesus, that that we wouldn't just try to make it through, but that we would thrive in him and knowing him. So let's... Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray as we prepare for a work week, dear Lord, that we would not wake up with Monday morning blues, Lord, of, of, okay, here comes another week. But Lord, that we would wake up on fire for you and your word. And that we would experience joy in growing in Christ, knowing that we are your children. And so, Lord, I pray that we would find that joy in Christ and that we would thrive as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, in good times and in bad. Lord, would you be with us and protect us? We love you, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen.